Matthew 22, we're going to start reading with verse 41. You know, I found it interesting last night as I was praying and I was asking the Lord to give me some direction for the service this morning. Lead me, Lord. Show me. And um, I had four or five messages that I was just thinking about, dwelling on, pondering. And I said, Lord, I don't really know which one to exactly that you want me to preach. And he said, look at the theme of every one of them that are before you. Every one of them was about salvation. And he said, you could preach any one of these and you're going to say what I want you to say. Amen. So this morning, God brought you here for a reason. You're here in the house of God for a reason. In Matthew chapter 22, I'm going to get right into this. Let's pray over the word and then we'll we'll read it. Father, I thank you today for your spirit and your presence. I feel your presence here. And Lord, um, I'm so grateful that we don't go by what other people say. They may say that the spirit of the Lord has departed or they may say you've quenched the spirit or grieved the spirit. But Lord... Your spirit being in our presence is proof that you are here. It doesn't matter what people say, Lord. What matters is what you do and the evidence of that. And I'm grateful for your spirit and your presence, Lord. I'm thankful this morning for you, Lord, that even whenever we don't feel what we want to feel in our heart, God, you're still faithful. Even whenever our, our we don't feel something or or uh, our feelings are so inconsistent. But, Lord, I'm grateful that you never change and you're the same and you're faithful and you show up just on time. But this morning, I just ask you, as I begin to break open the bread of life and speak this and preach this, Lord, that your presence and your spirit would be here continually through the word that you talk to us, that you minister to us this morning. That your Holy Ghost would be here, Father God. And that you would move and minister in this word this morning. Lord, anoint these lips of clay. Anoint my life, Father God. And and just give me that unction from above and save somebody today. Save them, draw them, minister to them. And let this word captivate their heart. And God will give you all the glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Matthew 22, verse 41 says this, While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? And they said unto him, The son of David. And he said unto them, How then does David in spirit call him Lord? Saying, The Lord said unto unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. If David then called him Lord, how is he his son? And no man was able to answer him a word. Neither does any man from that day forth ask him any more questions. You know, the context of this is Jesus trying to show them through Scripture I am the Messiah. In fact, he said, Search ye the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but they speak of me. Amen. So everything is to point to Christ and to get us to know who he is. That's why Jesus was ministering and preaching, trying to get people to believe in him. Because he said, You believe in God, believe also in me. He said it in John 14. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. It wasn't the problem with God. Even when Peter was preaching in the book of Acts, and there's a denomination that takes it and makes it Jesus only, but he said unto them, you must repent and believe in Jesus. And and it wasn't that they didn't believe in God the Father, or they didn't believe in Jehovah of the Old Testament. 
It's Christ that they had an issue with. That's why he specifically said that. You have to look at the scripture in its context, but here in this passage of scripture, I just want you to dwell on this one scripture in verse 42, which is my golden text this morning. What think ye of Christ? What do you think about Jesus? What do you think of Christ? And and the message this morning, I've entitled this Testimonies Concerning Christ. Testimonies Concerning Christ. And um, Jesus asked this a couple times. What think ye of Christ? Who do men say that I am? He asked this a few times in Scripture, a couple times. And um, he asked uh, Peter, who do men say that I am? And then he said, who do you say that I am? He said, well, you're the Christ. A lot of people believe you're a lot of other things or a lot of other people that have resurfaced, but you're the Christ. And he said, flesh and blood never told you that, but my Father which is in heaven has revealed it to you. So a revelation of who Christ is is very, very important. It's very critical to our salvation because a lot of people believe in a lot of things, but that doesn't make it right. There's only one truth, and it's a person, and his name is Jesus. You see, everyone has a testimony of Christ. You say, everybody? I didn't say a testimony of what Christ has done in their life, but everybody has a testimony of Christ, and I'm going to prove it to you this morning. When I say testimony, I mean an opinion or a thought or an understanding or a revelation of Christ. Some We, we hear a song in our prayer meeting uh, by Janet Paschal that says, you know, some called him a, a prophet. Some called him, you know, a teacher. Some called him master. Some called him a lot of things. He said some called him a devil. He said, but, but, but he's master, savior, lion of Judah, the precious prince of peace. He's the son of David. Amen. Uh, he is Lord. That's what the song says in our prayer uh, meeting whenever we play Janet Paschal. But, but everybody has a testimony of Christ. And I want to read these to you and just share these. You can jot these scriptures down if you want. But I want you to consider everyone's testimony of Christ that we read about in the Word of God. The first one is the angel of the Lord. In Matthew one twenty one, he had a testimony. And his testimony was to Mary and to Joseph but to Mary, he shall save his people from their sins. He shall save his people. That was the testimony of the angel of heaven. The wise men in Matthew 2.2 2 said, He's the king of the Jews. God the Father in Luke chapter 3 verse 22 said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. <laughs> the demons Oh, yeah. Even the devils knew who he was. Because in Mark 1, 24, they called him the Holy One. Judas, in Matthew 27, 4, at the end of his life, before he committed suicide, said, I've betrayed the innocent. So Judas knew he was an innocent Savior. The centurion there at the foot of the cross said, Truly this man was the Son of God. Mark 15, 39. Pilate in Matthew 27 verse 24 said, I find no fault in him. All of these biblical characters had a testimony or a thought or a revelation or an opinion about who Jesus was. Nicodemus in John chapter 3 said, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do the miracles except God be with him. So he had a testimony or an understanding of who Jesus was. He knew this much. He is not like anybody we've ever seen before. I want you to consider what the Apostle Paul thought about Jesus. In Acts chapter 9, and I'm not going to read the whole chapter or even reference a verse. I'm just going to reference one thing that he said in a verse. His first thought was, Who art thou? The Apostle Paul had to come to a place where he understood that there is a God in heaven. There is a true Messiah. 
There is a God that, that sent His only begotten Son that came down here and He began to not only die and, and redeem humanity and all of their sins, those that come to Christ, because not everybody is going to be saved. Not everybody is going to, you know, come to salvation. But those that come unto Him, they're, sa- they're going to be saved. But, but the Apostle Paul had to understand that there is a real true Messiah. And I've been persecuting Him. I've been persecuting Him through His people. And that's why he knocked Him to the ground and said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It's hard for you to kick against the reality of who God is. You've been confronted with the reality. And every one of us is confronted with the reality of God in our lives. A lot of times people aren't confronted until they're at a funeral. And they realize, you know what? There is an eternity there. This life is but a vapor because the devil lies to us and tells us, you're just going to live forever and ever and ever and ever. Your life, you know, it's just, it's a deception. A delusion to think that we're going to live forever here upon this earth. We're not. The only eternal life we have is in the sweet by and by in heaven. And you better make sure you know the one who rules that kingdom and that you have saving, you know, a, a saving faith. But the Apostle Paul was brought in his first thought when he was on the ground was, Who art thou, Lord? He, he, he learned real quick. He was a quick study. And then he quickly found out who Jesus was. And his testimony went from who art thou to a place where he said that I may know him in Philippians 3.10. So his, his, his relationship with God started with an introduction, but it grew from that to being a passionately driven uh, you know, desire in his Philippian letter that I may know him. Paul wanted to know him. So it went from just who are you to I want to know him. I must know him. It was something that his whole life was turned upside down. Thank God that he turns our life upside down. Amen. Thank God that he changes the course of our life. But as believers, we all have a testimony of Christ. And it must grow to a passionate pursuit. There is no room, time, or acceptance of lukewarm Christianity. It, there, there, is, there is no excuse for it. God's not going to excuse it. He said, I want nothing to do with it. We're either hot or we're cold. We're either on fire or we're lost without God. It cannot be an in-between. And I'm not focused on the testimony today of your life in this message so much, but what think ye of Christ? What do you think of Christ? What is your opinion of Christ? What is your revelation of Christ? What are you doing with Christ? Because what we think of Christ, our thoughts, our opinions, our testimonies of Him affect everything about us. People say, I'm a believer. I said, no, you're not. You don't come to church. Believers go to the house of God and they worship like you did this morning. If you love God, he said, you'll keep my commandments. You want to live holy. Doesn't mean everybody makes mistakes. Let's just get that, uh, you know, settled, religious Randy. Everybody makes mistakes. But thank God for the grace of God and the blood of Jesus. Okay? I'm not saying that it's okay to live in sin. What I'm telling you is that whenever you really truly know who Jesus is, there's a strong conviction in you. I want to serve him. I want to have a fear of God. And I do have a fear of God. And if I do something wrong, I want to make it right. That's why we come to church. We hear the Word of God. That's why every day we're in the Word of God because God's trying to show us something. He's trying to lead us in a specific way and show us truth. I was reading this week a powerful scripture, a powerful scripture, and I even sent it out to the brothers. And, and, and you know, but it says in Psalms 130, and I love this, I love it. The Bible says in verse 3 of Psalms 130, If thou, Lord, would mark iniquity, 
activities. In other words, if you would keep a record, if you kept the tally, if you, you know, kept a memoir, a record, not a, a, a good memory, but a bad memory of our record of our sins. If thou would mark iniquities, which is what sin is, he said, Oh Lord, who could stand? There ain't a one of us here that could stand today. Amen. You know, that's why when I hear preachers preach only the harshness about not living, uh, not living right before God, but they don't ever give you the hope. Yeah, I live right, but let me tell you something. God loves you. He's the one that wrote, ain't nobody going to pluck you out of my hand. Whenever I start feeling condemned, I just remember, God, I'm in your hand. Amen. I'm in your hand. You love me. Even though we make mistakes, all oh, you're preaching eternal security. Oh, I hope, I hope that there's a security in our hearts to know the God that we serve. Amen. I, the, the, the God I read about, the Christ I read about, you know, he, He's a God of grace and a God of love and a God of long-suffering, a God who's not willing that any would perish, a God, amen, that went all the way to the cross and died and was, His blood was shed. He, 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 he was crucified for you and me. If that isn't love, my God, the ocean is dry. And I would rather stand before God and Him say, you preach my love too much and you can't. Impossible. Of course there's a hell. Don't go there, I'm telling you. The only way you can avoid that is knowing Him. What think you of Jesus? What's your opinion of Jesus? What's your response to Jesus? The, the Apostle Paul went from one extreme or rebellious against God to a question, who are you, introduction, to then, I want to know him. That was his passionate drive and pursuit. What we think of Christ, the thoughts, opinions, and testimonies of him affect everything about us. The chosen that we went to see on Friday night, yeah, I went to the movie theater. I sat there and wept in that movie theater as I watched that movie. It's so moving. It's, it's, it, there, there's just, I mean, it's a movie, but it's, it's so biblically sound, and I'm just watching it. I'm like, man, I'm so touched to see Jesus commission all those disciples and just to kind of get a, an, a, a, an idea of how they felt, the things that they had to give up and, and, and sacrifice and forsake for the cause of Christ. Oh, mighty God. Mighty God. It was so moving. I was so touched. You know, and then to see Jesus speak to little James and say, you know, I'm not going to heal you here, but you'll be, you'll be healed one day. You'll be healed one day. But while you're walking upon this earth, what's going to happen, little James, is that even though I don't heal you, you're going to preach and you're going to touch people that are going to learn to love Jesus, even learn to love God, even if he doesn't do exactly what you want him to do, even though he didn't answer your prayer just like you thought, even if he took your loved one too early, even if you lost a loved one and you're like, God, why? But I'm still serving God. I'm not sitting on the sidelines saying, God failed me. He didn't respond to me like I want to know. God is still God. He's still Lord. Amen. No matter matter what, I'm going to serve him. Even if I lost my business, even if I lost a child or a spouse to death, to an early death, I'm still going to serve him. I'm still going to praise him. I'm still going to worship him. Even if my spouse walked out on me, amen. Even if I had a mom or a daddy that rejected me, amen. God loves me. But he said, going back to Psalms 130, If thou shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? There's nobody that can stand. Our only hope to stand is in Christ. Because he said... But there is forgiveness in verse 4 with thee that thou mayest be feared. God wants us to come and receive that forgiveness but realize who it is that forgave us. 
the one that created us, the one that made us a living soul, and the one that redeemed us. I'm telling you, this knowledge of God and of Christ affected the Apostle Paul powerfully. In Philippians 3 verse 8, this is what he said. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. He suffered great loss to follow Jesus passionately. And we will too. People that, don't, that say, I'm, I'm, not, I'm a king's kid. I'm, I'm a man of faith. I believe in word of faith. And I, I'm not going to suffer anything. I said, you don't know about the Christ of this Bible. I know that he redeemed us to bring peace and joy and, and, and the comfort of the Holy Ghost. But I'm going to tell you, if you're going to stand up for Christ, you're going to be hated. The world is, hates the real Jesus. They hate the real Jesus. Amen. They hate him. And he said, they hated me, they're going to hate you. But blessed are they that are persecuted for righteousness' sake. So when your family don't want nothing to do with you, just stand tall and say, Jesus loves me. Amen. Praise God. When the people at work look at you like you're strange or you're square, just say, I thank God. Amen. I praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I had an evangelist one time that my, was well known in my family. Not one of my family, but a, a particular evangelist that was well known in the organization that we were in and even preachers outside of the organization. And, and, and her comment about me and she only met me one time. She said, Jonathan Skiles is the oddball in the Skiles family. And I thought, Lord, let me be odd. <laughs> I'd rather be odd and real than accepted and a hypocrite. and <coughs> Accepted as a hypocrite or accepted as somebody that's fake. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. But we'll suffer great loss too if we're going to follow Jesus passionately. What do you suffer? You suffer pride. Your pride has to die. You suffer your ego going by the wayside. Oftentimes your thoughts, your plans, your, your ambitions, the things in life that you thought. There's a lot of things that I left behind me. And I'm not here to talk about myself, but just share with you. There's a lot of things that were left behind that I could have pursued and I could have done in my lifetime but God said take up your cross and follow me leave them behind the disciples left that family business left that fishing business and they went to follow Jesus Christ they walked away the sons of Zebedee from their own daddy they walked away from him and when you love your dad it's one of the hardest things to go and walk away from that family business but I can tell you church today that it will be worth it all when we see Jesus every sacrifice that we ever made for the Lord Jesus Christ everything we suffered will be worth it all hallelujah but pride ego your thoughts and plans sometimes many of your friends I didn't have to get rid of my friends they dumped me I got saved and I was like let me tell you what God's done and they were all like don't invite him for movie night on Friday we didn't have cell phones, but they lost my number. Never returned my call. They said, he's went religiously crazy. I said, I, I did not. All I did, well, maybe I did. Amen. But I come to Jesus Christ, and the thing is, I'm proud. Amen. I don't proud to be a Christian. I'm thankful. I don't make any apologies for this walk in Christ Jesus. See, I thought I was normal and okay before, but I realized I was and I was lost. But now I've been found. I see the truth. I understand. I was talking to a man yesterday at the treasures. 
uh, the, the, they did a dinner for all of the, 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 the women that come out of the sex traffic and the mentors and the staff and all of that. And I went over there to serve. I said to Sister Scholes, I want to serve. I want to start serving more outside of just where I'm at in the church. And she said, well, how about you go cook for four or five hours? I said, all right, I'll go cook. So I went over there and I was talking to this young man and he come out of the Catholic church, you know, and he was talking about how, you know, he, he really got born again and he got saved. And he said, it's been several years, but my family just now is accepting me and the fact that I'm a Christian they're looking at my life and he said my mom she kept saying you need to go pray to the saints he said I ain't praying to them saints I'm telling you right now they're not God and I'm not going to pray through Mary I'm not going to I can go right to God I've read the Bible see that's the thing I've got that Bible in my hand and I've read it I read the book for myself amen and I found I can go right to God and talk to him and pray to him and you know what it's so much better than before whenever I used to go and have to confess everything to somebody and, and, and for them to say whatever they said to me. But he said, they just now are accepting the fact that I'm a Christian. And I, this guy's on fire. Amen. We're sitting there peeling potatoes and we're crying and talking about God. sat down and he they said where do you fellowship I said I pastor in Lobby he said I knew you was a pastor I said praise God praise God you can feel the presence of God he said there's a there's a fatherly spirit that comes from you I could feel that when you were talking he said I just sensed that you know I, amen I said all right I'll take it I'll take it you know but I'm so thankful today for the things that we lose, but yet we gain Christ. It's not a loss. Paul said it's dung. It's dung. It's waste. Amen. It's poo. Come on now. That's what it is. <laughs> Praise God. The things that you took in didn't leave, didn't, did not benefit you in any way or make you better uh, as, a, as a person in character or in knowledge of God. But the things that we learn about Christ, they prepare us for eternity. They put us in a right place where we are supposed to be in our knowledge and revelation of who God is. Because if you don't have a relationship with God, you're in trouble. Well, I'm not in trouble now, preacher. You will be one day. You better know him. You better know him. Paul had to lose his religious knowledge and zealous pursuit for some things much more glorious. He termed it the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus that caused loss to him. I was reading in 2 Corinthians. I love this, the word of God. Chapter 3, verse 7. And this is what the Apostle Paul said. He's so eloquent and so careful to not diminish the things of the Word of God, but yet talk about the more excellent things. He said, But if the ministration of death, written and engraved in stones, was glorious, does anybody know what that is? He's talking about the law and what Moses received from off that mountain. And it was good. The law is not sin. The law is good in this sense that it shows you where you have went wrong and how to live. The problem is everybody breaks it. So you can have a speed limit of 50 miles an hour, but everybody goes over it, especially in California. The speed limit's 65 or whatever it is on the highway, and they drive 100. And you're like, my goodness, you know? But the word, the, 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 the law was given, and it was so wonderful and so glorious. It, 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 it brought the children of Israel and even us uh, to an understanding of God's standard. But when you can't keep that, then it's just a schoolmaster that brings you to a place where all you feel is that I'm a failure. 
I can never keep that law. The Jews are still trying to keep it. 633 laws. That's why we needed a Savior. That's why you got to know who Jesus is. That's why you need Christ. And today if you're here and you think if I can just do this and this, there's people that say, well, if I can just stop, you know, if I, if I just quit drinking, then I'll get right with God. Whenever I can stop doing these things that I'm doing, then I'll come and receive Jesus. I'm going to tell you something. You can't do it on your own. But I talked to a 20-year methamphetamine addict yesterday and we were talking about how that God delivers and I was sharing with her some of the reports in our church and she said you know what you're right she said I found out rehabs don't work she said I tried them they don't work she said but the one time I went to the altar and I gave it to God I got up from there and I never went back to that and I was an addict for 20 years so What did Paul say? The things that he lost was the religiousness and he was a zealot. He was zealous to to, to try to, you know, force people. You're you're not going to accept this easy way through Jesus and the grace. Uh Uh-uh. We're not going to let that sweep, you know, Judaism and all of our church, you know. We're not going to let that happen. So he went throughout the world and he was threatening people because they were preaching Jesus. Thank God. You know, whenever you've got a message that changes people's lives, it will grow. And it grew. It grew. Because when you bring people hope and you're preaching the power of God and people are being saved, people are being delivered, people are being healed, things are happening. You don't have to beg people to come to that and you can't stop it. Because it's beyond you. Amen. But the Apostle Paul said, get this now, I want you to hear this in verse 7. If the ministration of death written and engraved in stones, it's the law, was glorious so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away. He said, how shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? Did you get that? For if the ministration of condemnation be glory... Because the word will slap you in the face. You've transgressed. He said, much more does the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. Christ's righteousness that's in you. For even that which was made glories had no glory in it at all, is what he's saying. This resp- Glory in this respect by reason of the glory of that excelleth, excelleth it. For it, if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. Now, that's a message, and I'm preaching to some church folks. I'm not talking necessarily to somebody that doesn't know what I'm talking about. But there are people... And, and, and they're religious. They don't even realize they're religious. If I can just keep all these things, you know. I'm going to tell you something. I found out in 32 years I can't keep it. I've tried. I've tried. I, and, and I'm not saying that we don't, that we don't live a life and, and, and try. What I'm telling you is that when I failed, God said, You see, that's why you need a Savior. Because if you could do it yourself... You wouldn't have needed Jesus. If you didn't need grace, I wouldn't have put it there. If you didn't need the power of the blood, I wouldn't have put it there. If you didn't need the power of the Spirit, I wouldn't have poured it out upon you. But you need all of those things. What do you think about Jesus? Well, I want you to know that there is an excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, that He's the Savior that can do what the law could not do. And what you can't do without His grace and His power. But with His Spirit and His power, you can do all things.
Paul understood this excellency of the knowledge of Christ. That it is so much more glorious. It surpasses the glory of the law. It, it, it's of surpassing worth and value. It's priceless in its, in its privilege. It has a supreme advantage for the, for, the, for the believer. There's no comparison to how wonderful and excellent it is to know who Jesus is. But we will never fully understand until we are in Christ. And Kevin preached it so eloquently and so awesomely when I was in Mazatlan. Yeah. I told Sister Scholars it was Sunday night. I said, she said, what are you doing? I said, I'm listening to Kevin preach. Amen. I'm just sitting here listening to him from the moment he opened up his mouth. He sat there and preached and taught on Ephesians. And I, I said, Lord, I was gonna, I was gonna be teaching on Thursday night on Ephesians, but you know, he just he just capsulized it all. And if they heard it, you know, I can go on to something else. But we'll hit it another time. But one of the things that I want to just, just reiterate is this. In Ephesians chapter 1, what is this knowledge? What is this understanding and this testimony of Christ in our life? It's right here in the first chapter, in the first few verses. He said, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful, that's you and me, in Christ. In Christ. There are people that maybe have a mental ascent of who Jesus is, but they're not in the family of God. They're not in Christ. They're external of Christ. They know who is the Sadducees and the religious, the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, even some of the Romans. They, they knew something about Jesus, but they were not in Christ. We must be in Christ. But he said the faithful in Christ Jesus. And then in verse 4 it says, According as he hath chosen us in him. You didn't choose him. He chose you before you were even a thought. Before the foundation of the world. God had already put in motion what he was going to do. And people try to manipulate that and say it says other things. Just read it for what it is. God, I was in God's thought. Perhaps millions of years ago. I don't know how long, but before the foundation of the world. Think about that. He said, according as he hath chosen us in him, in him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Now, I just wanted to highlight the fact that we're in Christ. The relationship I'm talking about is being in Christ. That's the knowledge the, the knowledge about God is not the same as the knowledge or deeper position and station of being in Christ. We must be in Christ. Amen. And you can get around somebody, if you're spirit-filled, you can get around somebody and they're of a kindred spirit. You say, oh, they know God. And then there's people that know about God. I'm going to tell you, there's people that know about God. And there's people that know God. Amen. Do we know Him so much that He changes the direction of our life? Because the rich young ruler came and he knew about Jesus, but he didn't let Jesus get in him because he walked away sorrowfully. If we're going to be in Him, we're going to have to forsake it all and take up our cross and follow Him. What is that taking up of the cross? I can tell you for every one of us, it's forsaking the things that God tells us. And it may be a job. It may be a career. It may be, you know, um, your way of life so that God can move you to a foreign mission field or something. I don't know what that is to you. But I know this much. It's forsaking everything for him. Those things that would, will not glorify God in your life. Agrippa said, you've almost persuaded me to be a Christian, Paul. Almost only counts in hand grenades and 
horseshoes, not in eternity. Don't let the devil lie to you and tell you, number one, that you're close enough. No, you've got to be in him. In him. We must be in him. He must be in us. We must abide in him. We're one with him. His life is in us. Praise God. Praise God. So my question to you today as I come to a close. Listen to me, children. What do you think of Christ? Do you really believe that he's the God that can put you in heaven or hell? Do you have a fear of an eternal God like that? Because if you do, you will respond in obedience. Because if you don't, what you're saying is, I don't believe that. The devil's job is to get you not to believe. But like the Apostle Paul, when you believe him and you come to an experience of saving faith, repentance, turning from your life, something powerful happens. He puts in you a drive and a passion. I want to know him. I want to know him. Some of you are afraid to come and say, Lord, I know you're the Christ and I'm going to surrender and submit to you. You're afraid. What are your fears? What is holding you back? Somebody's going, would he just move on? No. What is keeping you bound in a fear that you will not respond and say, Lord, I believe you to such a degree that I'm going to surrender everything. I'm going to surrender my pride, and I'm going to come down there to that altar. Let me tell you something. I don't know what God would have you to do, give up, put to the side, but I know it's whatever he speaks to you. There are some things that people are caught up in in sin in the church that other people it never even crosses their mind. Amen. Some people, it's alcohol. The other person said, I ain't never took a drink in my life and never will. Some people, it's some type of perversion or a lust or something. Other people say, it doesn't bother me at all. You know, somebody may have a gambling problem where somebody said, I wouldn't even blink to think about doing that. You know? But we have to surrender our everythings unto him. And I don't know what your everythings are, but you know. And God is dealing with you and asking that question. What think ye of Christ? What is keeping you from total surrender? Because if I surrender, then that means i got to give up the way that I feel. I've got to do what God tells me to do. And I'm not ready to do that, Pastor. Well, I want to tell you something. One day, you will take your last breath and that could be today. So you better think long and hard about your decision. Because I pulled out of here a year and a half ago, and within 30 seconds, I was sitting in my car unconscious because I'd been hit head on. I could have died. That's how, uh, how fragile our mortality is. It's but a vapor. I had a little brother, 31 years of age, had the rest of his life before him. Had a young son, has a young son still. But in one, one moment, he slipped into eternity, died right there on the front porch. You don't know when you're going to take your next your last breath. You better make sure that what you think about Jesus is the right thinking. Because there is no neutral ground 
You're either for him or against him. Jesus said, those that are not for us are against us. But if they're not against us, they're for us. So you're either in Christ or you're not. You're either saved or you're lost. He's either Savior or he, he's your judge. We must surrender to God today. And for the indifferent, God is saying, consecrate your spirit, your soul, and your body to him. And have Peter's testimony. Thou art the Christ. I remember when I gave my heart and life to Jesus. But you know, a lot of people, they have to be confronted with things in their life and God make it real to them. And I believe the Holy Spirit's making himself real to some people in here today. Because Jesus isn't tangibly here, but his spirit is. And that's what we're to receive, according to the Bible, his spirit. I remember Brother Clinton and sharing a story, and the Lord told me to share this this morning. He's on a plane, and there was a stewardess. This was years ago. And he always took every opportunity to talk to someone about God. And uh, maybe it wasn't a, 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 on a plane. It was a phone call to a customer service representative, and the Lord spoke to him and said, I want you to share with this lady about the gospel. And he said, ma'am, he said, do you know Jesus as your Savior? And she said, no. She said, I, I just uh, don't really have much to do with religion or anything like that. And um, he said, well, do you think you're a good person? She said, you know what, I think I am a pretty good person. I, I just feel like that if there is a God, that he'll let me in because I'm good. Just let people talk. He said, can I ask you a question? Yeah. He said, have you ever told a lie? She said, well, I think everybody's told a lie. But, well, yes. He said, well, what does that make you? A liar. He said, you ever stole anything, even as a kid? Well, she said, yeah, I've, I've taken a few things in my life, stole things that weren't mine. And he said, well, what does that make you? She said, well, I guess that would make me a thief. He said, have you ever, um, he loaded the gospel gun. He said, have you ever had a thought for someone in a lustful way that was not your husband because I believe she was married and I want to say he asked her the question if she had ever committed adultery and it got real quiet you know you can say a lot of things on the phone she said well you know what I have I have committed adultery he said, what does that make you? She said, well, I guess it makes me an adulteress. And he said, well, I'm going to let you go. She said, no, you're not. You're not going to bring me this far and dangle me over a judgment and not tell me how to be free from it. He said, let me tell you about Jesus. You know, I only care about your soul today, everybody in here. Whether you are a person who is visiting or you're a member of this church, I care about your soul, and I just want you to make heaven your home. You know, some preachers, they, 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 they thrive and they get a, a satisfaction on beating people over the head and I, that's never been me really I want you to be right because I know how it feels to be at that place where you're under the darkness and the cloud of sin and you want to be free today's your day today's your day
I want you to think about what Pastor Jonathan has preached to you. And if you want to know Jesus today, or you want to come back and say, Lord, you know what? I've done some things, and I'm not proud of it, and nobody knows but me and you, but I kind of got a little bit off here, and I forgot that you're God, and that I want to be right with you, and I don't want to act live my life like you don't see everything that I'm doing. God will forgive you if you as a person in the church want to make things right. Today is your day of salvation. He loves you. He loves me. And today, I wouldn't let nobody, nothing, what anybody thinks or says, keep me from my Jesus. No way. No way. Today is your day of salvation. Today is your day of restoration. What do I do, Pastor? When we begin to play this music, you just make your way up here. Kneel in this altar. Let God heal and touch you and save you and deliver you. Let him introduce yourself, himself to you. And even if you just say, Who art thou, Lord? He's going to say, it's me, Jesus. And I want to change you. Come and just say, Lord, I believe you. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me. He will forgive you. And that's, that's just the beginning. You, you're just dealing with what has separated you from God, which is sin. God wants a relationship with you that's beautiful. 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 Father, today I thank you. I thank you for your word. You are so faithful. And Lord, as we come today in this service, my prayer is that you will touch every person. That you will minister to every life. That there will not be a person this morning that would fail to respond to you. But Lord, that you this morning would minister to every person in this building. I thank you today. And I've come to give you honor. And I've come to give you glory. And I've come to give you praise. Jesus.